You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. Hey, thanks to our worship team. Linda's first time today. Yeah. How good's that? We love new people in our worship team. If you feel like, if Linda has inspired you this morning to be a part of the worship team, which, I mean, she's inspired me. I'm not sure whether they'll accept me on the worship team, but, you know, I can give it a go. That's all. Anytime. There we go. See, I'm, I'm on. Um, but no, if you want to be a part of a team, we'd love to talk to you. There's so many different teams that you can be a part of. And it's rewarding, isn't it, Linda? Love doing it. I've got to open my daughter's iPad and hope that my message is still here. That's always helpful. Great. Hey, I'm really glad to be here with you this morning. Um, I love coming to our Northwest campus. It's always a beautiful place to be. I always feel so welcomed here. I know I don't get out here all the time, but I do love it. And this morning we are continuing on with the, uh, J- the book of James. Yep. And uh, how have we been liking it so far? Really good. It's a bit challenging. I find it a bit challenging, but I love it, but it's challenging. And um, these are all my little side notes. So, you know, it's good when God keeps talking to you in the mornings after you've finished your message. It's great. Um, and we're going we're gonna to start off this morning in James chapter 2, starting at the 14th verse. And we're going to go right through to verse 26. So that's very cool. And, you know, one of the other things I just wanted to remind us about is if you're not in a V group, then that's where we get to go deeper. That's where we get to learn more about God and about what we've just talked about in service. And we get to build relationship and love people. And you know what? We do life together. So I want to invite you, if you have not already joined a V group, we'd love you to be there. And if you feel the call to lead a V group, then I, you know, I'd love to talk to you as well after the service and let's have a chat about that. My family are all well. Ben is with me this morning and my two girls. Yeah, let's hear it for Ben. He's pretty awesome. And he loves the attention. Um, they're all well. We're back into the swing of things. You know, life's funny. It didn't start how I thought it was this year. I had a really bad ear infection and I couldn't swim in the ocean. And I love swimming in the ocean. And so I still actually haven't been back since they've cleared me because I'm a bit nervous because I don't want to get another one. And um, so I've been like, I think it's been over a month now since I've had a proper swim and that's terrible for me. So, you know, you can pray for me. That's fine. Um, (laughs) But I am grateful that God's never surprised God's never surprised about what's going on in our world and he's there for us and, he's, and he is working for us even when we don't realise it. So I'm grateful for that. But we are going to read this morning from James chapter 2 and I thought let's do something a little bit different. Can we do something a little bit different? How about we stand to honour God's word this morning? Can we stand as we read the word? Oh no, I know. Sorry, guys. No, I'm not sorry, actually. Not sorry at all. Um, we're gonna, we are going to honour God's word this morning. And this is what James chapter 2, 
from verse 14 says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see, a person is considered righteous by, the, by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Lord God, I pray this morning you would open our hearts and our minds to what you want to say through your word. I thank you, Lord God, that your word is truth and we can stand on it in confidence. And this morning, Lord, we just want to ask that you would speak to us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. Um, I was just thinking about this this week. And has anybody seen The Lion King, the, sh- like the musical at the theatre? Has any, did anybody go and watch that? Like it was a while ago, like a long while ago. Thank you. I have one person. Any, ra- any more than one? Okay. None of you are going to know what I'm talking about except for you, Neil. That's, all, that's okay. I'm going to try and give you a demonstration of The Lion King. No, not really. Um, no, um, that's not going to work. But when um, on the stage they had like heaps of different actors and dancers and it was it was a really amazing performance and one of the things that they did was they had these people who had like these massive puppets let's say puppets of animals so they were like um, you know a giraffe or um, I think there was zebra there was all sorts of different African animals and they were amazing and so these people underneath would do all these amazing like Things and make the animals dance and you could see the people underneath were like really working hard to make this beautiful thing and you eventually didn't even watch what was happening underneath because you were just watching the performance of the animals and this it was just beautiful and I and you could see that all the action though was happening underneath the puppets but when it comes to this letter that James has written he's saying that our actions are actually the things that are seen So while in the show I was looking up here at this thing and the action was happening down here, actually our actions are seen because they are indicating the real faith that lies beneath them. So the faith that's happening on the under is making the actions be seen day to day. So that's kind of what he's saying. And I'm going to do something a little bit different this morning because I know that when we talk about faith and actions, there's this tension that lies in Scripture that we need to address. There's an elephant in the room, a Lion King elephant, if you like, 
in the room that we need to address. And that is the diff, the the conf, or the what seems to be contradictory statements between Paul and James. So we're going to go there this morning to start with. Is that all right with everybody? So in Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says this, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. All right, let's start there. So I just want to make it really clear this morning that salvation is a gift from God. Salvation is exactly that, it's a gift, we can't earn it. I can't conjure it up. Pastor Dan said right at the beginning of this series, faith is not something we make up. It's, it's God's. God gives, up to, gives it to us. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. Not us. He is. So salvation by faith is not something we can earn. So let's make that really clear. That, I think Paul makes that pretty clear. When we start our journey at a point when we believe that Jesus is real... And he came to earth and he gave up his life for us so that we could be reconnected with God forever. At that point, we begin our faith journey. And I like to call that moment foundational faith. We have foundational faith in that moment. But it's not the end of our faith journey. It's the very, very, very beginning of our faith journey, right? Martin Luther famously took issue with the book of James. Does anybody remember that? Everybody, people have researched or heard about that before. Because he didn't think that it it really expressed the nature of the gospel. And it appeared to contradict Paul's statements about justification by faith. But there are still others who think the complete opposite and believe that all they have to do is just work really, really hard to be able to earn their salvation and one day they'll get into heaven and all would be good. So it can be a little bit confusing. But I want us to have a think this morning. When when we find a tension in Scripture, when we find something that seems to be the opposite to another statement in Scripture, we can pretty much guarantee that God intended for the two to work together, to be complementary, not contradictory, right? And so we need to go and explore this a little bit more. So rather than taking out the book of James, let's look and see how the two can work together. So we need to look at the context and we need to look at the intent of the, of the authors. Paul is concerned with clarifying that there are not two ways to Jesus. You can't make your way to Jesus through works. That's not going to happen. What you can do is make your way to Jesus through faith. In Jesus. That's what it takes. And so what Paul is trying to say is there's not two ways. There's one way. It's Jesus. It's faith in Jesus. The law has been fulfilled through Jesus. In Romans chapter 3 verse 28, it says, For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. So Paul was writing to churches where people were tempted to trust their works for salvation. While James was writing to those who were inclined to think that intellectual acceptance of God could save them. So there's two very different purposes behind the letters. It's clear that James is not looking at faith or works, but faith without works over faith with works. He's not saying a different thing to Paul. He's articulating more clearly a reality about the same faith that Paul is talking about 
and reminding us that faith should not be empty. It needs to be a working faith. That's what he's doing. As if to drive the point home, both of these authors use Abraham as an example. Like we're pulling it all together right now. And James uses Abraham as a model of faith with works when he came to offer his son Isaac. Yep, he uses that as the example. And Paul uses Abraham as a model of justification that is making Abraham right before the Lord, absolving absolving him of any guilt prior to circumcision, which in Jewish law was like the the, the thing, you get circumcised and you are, a, you are a God follower. But this was prior to circumcision. So he was kind of saying before any works, before he did anything, he was already justified. And then he had an opportunity to act on that faith and his justification was complete and proven, right? So a moment of salvation, if you like, a moment of relationship with, with God and then proven and continuing to walk that faith journey, acted it out ultimately in this amazing bringing of Isaac to the place to be sacrificed before God. And we know that God provided a different sacrifice in that moment. So the act of faith is the effect of the initial foundation of faith, okay? So we have a cause. We are caused to give our life to God in a moment where we start our foundational faith journey right there and then. But the effect is the working out of the faith throughout our whole life. There's a cause and there's an effect. The cause was Jesus. The effect is the living out of that life for Jesus for the rest of our life. Do we get it? Does that make sense? Have I confused you all or are you with me? There's a couple of you with me. I'm going to go with that and we're going to keep moving. The words and actions of the inner man or the inner woman bear testimony, bear testimony to the grace and gift of the salvation we have received by faith. Our faith is proven or justified by the way that we act so the two match up. Later, when Paul writes to the Galatians, he states, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The expression or act of faith through love is exactly what James is referring to. So Paul and James are saying the same thing. The necessity to live a life that demonstrates the faith that we proclaim through love. That's what they're saying. That's a lot to digest, right, in that first part. That was just my introduction. So, uh, yep, now we're going to get really into the meat of things. So I'm really excited about that. I'm sure you guys are too. Yep, get comfy. We're good. I'm on track. I'm on track. So I'm just going to really quickly have a bit of a look at the context of James. So James is writing to the Jewish community. The Jewish community had always always approached God from a works-based mentality. And now the Jewish community are trying to work out, well, how does works fit in? How does works fit in? Because you've just said that all we need is Jesus, give our life to him, believe in him. Where does works fit? The law has been fulfilled. 
James is speaking to the Jewish people about real faith in Jesus that results in people behaving like Christ. Loving people, showing mercy and justice to the people around them. James is trying to minimise the disparity between those that say they have faith and what others are experiencing of those who say they have faith. So he's trying to minimise the disparity between the two. So from verse 14 it says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? Sarcasm, mine, but I expect that James was being sarcastic when he was writing that too. That's my interpretation of that part of the Bible. James is saying, guys, what good is it? No, they're not going to, how is someone going to know Jesus if you say, hey, off you go, have your fill, eat delicious food, can't wait to see what comes next for you, bye, and you don't actually help them at all. How, is, how are people going to know Jesus? How are people going to come to faith in him if all we do is sit back and tell them what's going on and don't actually reach out and help people? A faith with no action to back up the faith is a completely ridiculous notion to James. And he's making it very, very clear in this passage of Scripture. In fact, James is so emphatic in the conclusion that he draws and he drives home the point in four different ways. And we're going to look at them on the screen. Faith without works is useless, verse 14 and 16. It cannot save, verse 14, is ineffective, verse 20, and is dead, 17 and 26. It's pretty clear what James thinks about this. He's pretty, like, pretty sure that faith without works is utterly hopeless. Why bother having faith if you are not using it? If you are not out there doing something with your faith, why bother? So, in saying all of this, we can recognise in James three different ways that people approach faith. And the first one is a forced faith. So a forced faith, I think, is kind of like a faith where you're a should-be person. A should-be person. We say should a lot. So people feel like they should be doing the right thing. Where it should be the way. I should do that. Oh, I should pray today. Oh, I should help that old lady get across the road. I should do this thing that, you know, I should do it. There's no foundation. It's a facade. You put on a mask and you put on a show because that's what you should do. You've got really good values. And I'm not saying you as in you. I'm just, you know, just bear with me. The generic you. (laughs) We. Would that be better? We. Someone. A person puts on a facade and makes a presentation of themselves because that's what they think they should do. It has no substance and it's empty and is unsustainable. This is a forced faith. The moral compass that aligns their life drives them to do the right thing. But not a deep faith connection with God 
just because they have good values. I know lots of people have really good values, but there's no connection with God. The reality is that these people don't know who they are. They don't know who they are. They don't really know what they believe. They just do the right thing because they know how to put on a good show. Consider, for instance, a person who has grown up in a Christian household and has never really explored faith for themselves. I'm sure there are many of those people around and they realise at some point in their life that this is actually, I don't even know what I believe. I've never explored this. I don't know what, who Jesus really is. I've just, this is, I know how to do the right thing. They keep their parents happy by doing the right thing, by showing, showing and like giving a really good show, a good performance. One of the things that I've noticed is that we can get really blasé about what is happening in the world and, and, and blasé about what's happening even in our day-to-day and we just start doing things by rote. We start doing things because that's the way we've always done it. Anybody else with me? I, I, I can see heaps of things that we do that. So we go through the motions and we say the right things in the right moment and we do the right thing in the right moment and we, you know, all of those things but we don't really necessarily comprehend or believe in what we're doing. I'm going to give you an example and you're not allowed to judge me. So, one of the things that I've noticed in our house is we say grace every night, okay? Before dinner, we say grace. Now, uh, as a side note, I'm not sure why we don't say grace at every meal because if breakfast is supposed to be the most important meal of the day, surely we've got this wrong. Like, seriously. Anyway, I'm not going to put more pressure on myself right now. But we say grace every night, but it's the same grace every night. And I'll be able to, Ben, do you want to come up and do it? Because you'll be able to tell. We, we do it every night. No pressure. Dear, dear Lord, bless the hands that have prepared this food and bless it to our bodies. In Jesus' name, amen. No connection. I haven't really thought about what I'm saying or why I'm saying it. Maddie has a variation of it. Maddie's is, I've got to read it. Thank you, God, that you provided the hands that prepared the meal. She's a funny kid. But it's become a chore in our house. It used to be, oh, can I say grace? Can I say grace? And now it's, uh, uh, who's, I'm like, who's going to say grace? Because we say grace. And I'm, I've had to, even at, at prayer time before the girls go to bed, I've had to start saying to them, stop. Think about what you're going to pray. God, Jesus. I pray for every sick and hurt person in the world. Would you please heal them all? Is pretty much a general prayer that gets said in our house. You know what? Great. We're praying for heal. Like there's good. There is good in it. And you know what? There is good in the rote. There is good in the habits. There is good in the in the rituals. There's, I'm not saying that they're not a they're not a good thing at times. Coming to church when you don't feel like it is a good thing, okay? Because you're putting yourself in a place where God can speak to you. Right, so there is definitely good, but when we start doing everything as being, I should do this, I should do that, it's a forced faith. It's not a genuine connection with God and doing it because we're hearing the Holy Spirit and walking in His guidance and knowing what He's saying, we're just doing it because we do it. And we need to be careful that our whole life doesn't become like that. I mean, prayer can be like that. Did you know you can pray without connection to God? Did you know this is going to be interesting? Did you know you can pray in tongues without connecting to God? 
Now, if you want to debate me on that, please come and see me afterwards because I know it's true. We're not, I'm, there's times where I'm praying because like someone will be saying, pray, you know, let's all pray in tongues. And I'll be like, and I'm in my head, I'm thinking, I don't know what we're going to have for dinner tonight. And I don't know how this is all going to work. And I'm not actually connecting with God. I'm thinking about dinner. So that's the first one of forced faith. The fake faith is our second one. The fake faith. So there's a few key words in James. Verse 14 says, If you say you have faith but do not have works. If you say. Last week we talked about the fact that this uh, was evident in, by, was showing itself in the prejudice shown by the Jewish people towards the people who looked good versus the people who did not look good. Um, and this is extended in this regard to people who need help, who were wished well but not actually helped. So when I first gave my life to Jesus, I thought I knew it all. I know. I, it only took one prayer and I knew it all. I was self-righteous and I thought that I was the best. And I knew that my mum and dad were going to hell, as were the rest of the world that I knew. And they needed to know that they were going to hell. And that if they wanted to not go to hell, then they needed to give their life to Jesus on the spot right there and right then. And if you did not... Well, then, sucks to be you guys. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't very nice. My words were not matching up with my actions. I was telling everyone that they needed Jesus, but in the next breath, I would be rude to my parents or yell at my sister or maybe I would gossip or potentially just go and get drunk and then get up and worship lead the next morning like, you name it, I was, nothing changed in my world except I said I knew it all. Except I thought, I'm going to heaven. Does that remind you of anybody else that we've read about in our Bible? Like the Pharisees? Their actions didn't line up with their faith. They thought they knew it all. They were self-righteous and that was what their whole faith was based on. They were too good for everybody else. They were based on theory. They had all the facts that they needed. Everything they needed to know about Old Testament law, you asked them, they could tell you. But there was no heart connection with God. There was no action that lined up with the words that they were speaking. The God who they claimed to have faith in was completely not evident, except in their daily rituals of what they had to do, but not when it came to helping the poor and the needy or showing people the love of God. When I came to Victory, I met a bunch of people whose faith and actions matched up. And I knew in that moment, that's what I've been missing. And I had a lot of stuff that I had to make up for, for the many years that I had caused my parents heartache. And they had to really know that actually my life really had turned around, that I really did believe in a Jesus. And the Jesus that I was telling you about, it wasn't the one that I was showing you. This is the real Jesus. This is the real Jesus. And it took me a long, long time to be able to make that up. When we have fake faith, we know all the right things, but nothing changes. Everything remains the same. 
As, as James said, even the demons believe in God and shudder. Verse 19, it was an add-on to my already well-functioning life. That's what it was. That's what faith was. Fake faith doesn't change our approach to life or our thoughts. And therefore, there is no corresponding action. Nothing changes. In James, we see that he is talking to a person who claims faith but has no works. And in the Jewish community, we talked about the fact that this was being demonstrated in the way they treated people prejudicially. And James is reminding the Jewish people and us that false claims of faith, false piety, which is holiness, if you like, false religion are not the way of Jesus. They're the... They are saying the things that sound godly but do nothing. The claims that these people have are a far cry from those who actually have genuine, authentic faith. Fake faith produces no fruit. James doesn't see how one can have genuine faith and not outwork it through genuine actions of love and mercy. Genuine faith equals genuine fruit. So if you have no evidence of that, then it's useless and dead. It's worth nothing. It's not saving faith because words are just words. They're useless unless there is relationship and connection with the one to whom you you claim to have faith in. Words are just words. Heart connection is important. Um, James uses some pretty big words when he talks about faith because he's emphasising the importance of a genuine and real faith rather than one that's lip service and not meaningful and not life-changing, right? That's what fake faith looks like. The last type of faith that James described, or I think James describes, is a functional faith. So we've looked at the forced faith, we've looked at the fake faith, and now we are looking at a functional faith. Faith, to just make it really clear, is the ongoing relationship that we develop with God, where we believe in Him, we trust Him, and we pursue relationship with Him. It is confidence and assurance that God is who He says He is, And he will do and has done what he said he will do and has done, right? That is what our faith is in. That is who our faith is in. That's why we have faith. As we grow closer to God, side note, there is action required for us to grow closer to God. As we grow closer to God, more intimate with him, and we pursue him, and we trust him with all the day-to-day stuff, the big and the little, we continue to get closer and closer to him. And as we do that, our faith increases despite our circumstances. We, everything could be going terribly in our world, but our faith continues to increase Because we have a genuine connection with the faith bringer, Jesus Christ, who wants to show us the best way, which is a life in him, not the perfect way. It's not all going to be perfect. We're human. We're going to make mistakes. It's not going to be perfect. However, it is the best way, a relationship with the faith giver, Jesus Christ. 
He wants to show us that as we increase on that faith increases, the natural progression is that faith starts to be outworked and expressed on the outside. So the inside is building faith and the outside is starting to express all these amazing things that are going on in our world and it's starting to to pour out love on other people and the overflow of the faith that's rising up on us in the inside is pouring out onto the people on the outside and we start to see that our faith and our actions start to match up. They start to speak Jesus. They start to to show Jesus. Loving God, loving people, being led by the Spirit. That's what a life of faith is like. This is functional faith. The type of faith where actions demonstrate your faith is real and authentic. That is the type of faith that we're looking at. It is an influencing factor in our actions. Faith without works is dead. If you are not acting on the faith that you have, then there is likely no substance to that faith. It's been stunted in its development. And can I say, sometimes that happens. Sometimes we think that all we need to do is just in that moment, we gave our heart to the Lord, that's it, we're done. Faith in Jesus, done. I'm going to like, I can just live my life like what we were talking about. Maybe a fake faith maybe even a forced faith, and you just keep living your life the way that you were, but there's no change. You're stunted in your faith development. You're stunted. That's not the best for you. You may very well believe in God. We know the demons believe in God. They shudder. But there's no evidence of your faith in God in any way. Functional faith is seen in our actions, and because of the actions, they speak the reality of the faith that we hold. If we come back to Paul and James, James is explaining that the foundational faith where we begin, that which Paul describes as being the only way to Jesus, will bear fruit and function as a result of that faith. And if our faith doesn't grow in fruit and function, that it must be fake or forced or functionless. There's there's a problem. We've got to determine what's the problem. Let's find out what's going on in our world. You know, I'm not just talking about helping the poor and needy, although James makes it very, very clear that that is a natural thing that we as Christians should be doing because we love people and we want to see them helped in every way possible. And so we absolutely need to be helping the poor and needy, but it extends beyond that. I'm talking about genuine connection with God in prayer and devotion. I'm talking about loving the things that Jesus loves, the church, people, justice, truth. I'm talking about not cheating in your taxes. I'm talking about not, you know, trying to use somebody else's electricity or burning something off the internet or whatever it might be that we do these days. I don't know. I don't do them. <laughs> it's, it's about the, the little things and the big things. All of those things. It's, it's talking about making hard decisions and not compromising when we find that we have a moment in our world where we can choose to demonstrate our faith or perhaps set ourselves, and perhaps that will set ourselves apart, right? Or blending into the crowd and being of the world. It's those moments, those choices that we get every single day. 
I'm saying that, I'm not saying, sorry, that functional faith is always easy, but it is the most rewarding. James makes it really clear in this passage that there can be no separation between genuine, real, authentic faith and works that demonstrate the love of God and the character of God. The more you spend time with the author of faith, the more intimate you are with him, the more you will act like him under his guidance, under his leading. Works alone will not do it and neither will empty faith. The covenant relationship we have with God requires us to respond to him in an acceptable fashion, the right way to demonstrate him. When we have genuine faith, it changes the way we approach our life. It changes the way that we think, the way that we respond and the way we perceive people. Faith finds its intended shape when it is working. This is a working faith. Not faith plus an add-on of works. The faith we have works. The faith we have works. Verse 18, show me your faith apart from your works and I by my works will show you my faith. When we have genuine faith in Jesus, what flows is a genuine Jesus response to the world around us. The actions and works we do justify and authenticate our faith. James illustrates the faith and work in inseparability by using Abraham and Rahab, two people whose genuine and authentic faith led them to respond in genuine and authentic works. And Jesus gives us countless examples of genuine love and mercy towards every person. There is no prejudice. There is no one better than another person. Everyone is equal in Jesus' eyes. Everyone. And I think it is pretty perfectly summed up by Paul in Titus. And it says this, But when the kindness of God our Saviour and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Saviour, that being justified by his grace, we might be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy statement. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed, in God, have believed God may be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men. We are called to engage in our faith. Not pop it on a shelf, but live our lives renewed by the Holy Spirit, confidently speaking to others and engaging in good deeds, of which there are many. Of which there are many. You know, we're all walking our own journey. And as I was sitting and praying this morning, it might feel a little bit like it's hard work having a functional faith. But I was reminded of the scripture that says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take on his, his yoke, because his yoke is easy and light. There are scriptures throughout the Bible that talk to us about this. And you know what? Functional faith will be hard if we're trying to do it in our own strength. And that's something that God is continually talking to me about. When we come to Him, when we do it with Him, 
that's where it becomes really effective. That's where we really start to see it overflow from our lives. Because we're not doing it because we think we should. We're not doing it because we have to. We're doing it because we are in relationship with God. And we are loving the people around us. And we are showing God to the people around us. And we are trusting God and we are pursuing God and we are listening to the Holy Spirit. And we know that in our strength it is hard, but if we trust in the Lord and we give it over to Him, then He will lead us and He will guide us and He will direct us and He will make it a lot better. A genuine faith that is accompanied by deeds that demonstrate the genuine and real faith we have in Jesus is a functional faith. And we are all called to do that. It'll look different for each of us, but we're all called to live a functional faith. So I want to ask you this morning, where are you at? Maybe you're sitting here thinking, I actually feel like maybe I've got a fake faith. But I don't want to tell anyone because that's bad. That's real bad. Can I just tell you, this is not a place of condemnation. Jesus, We don't come to Jesus to be condemned. We come to Jesus to find life and truth and grace. So if that's where you feel like you're at today, then if you are honest before God and honest to yourself, then we want to pray with you. We want to help you to get to that next step of really having a genuine, authentic faith in Jesus. Maybe you feel like it's a forced faith. Maybe you feel like you've just done the right thing for a really long time. Well, today might be your day to step out from under that burden and to start living a life of incredible functional faith with God. And maybe you'd really have a genuine faith, but things have gotten stale. You've been trying to do things in your own strength. It feels really hard. Well, we want to pray with you this morning too to help to realign you with the Holy Spirit, to give you a moment to dedicate your life fresh again to God. So while you're thinking about that, would you just close your eyes for a moment? I want to ask you this morning, I don't know every face that's here. I know that we have some people visiting and I don't know where everybody's at in their walk with Jesus. But I want to give you an opportunity this morning to acknowledge that we need Jesus in our world. And maybe you need to know more information about Him. And I would love to be able to help you to find that. We've got a team of people who can help you to find out more about who Jesus is. We just want to acknowledge this morning maybe that you don't know who that is. And you want to find out more about Him. And we've been separated from Jesus, but He came to earth. And He gave His life up for us so that we would be able to live in relationship with Him. And not only did He give His life up for us, but He was raised again from the dead. And as a result, He has overcome death and given us the incredible opportunity to live for eternity when we find we come to the end of our lives. The opportunity to live in eternity with Him as His heirs. Wow. And so in order to do that, we just need to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. And we begin the step and believe in our heart 
that He was raised from the dead. Once we say that and believe that, we start that foundational faith step. That's the first step. And then we start to work it out and walk it out together. And we want to be there to help you to do that. So if that's you this morning, if you would like to make that first step, that first faith step this morning, would you just raise your hand? Nobody's looking around. Maybe you've been far away from God and you think this morning, I just need to get right with Him. Would you just raise your hand this morning so that I can see who you are and I can help you and guide you to the place to be able to start that journey today? Awesome. Why don't we stand this morning? And you know where you're at. If something has struck a chord with you this morning, then this altar is open and we have people who would love to pray with you. Whether you feel like you're in a fake or a forced faith position, or maybe you just need a little bit of help with your functional faith. You just want to get it, get right on the right track again. And you've, maybe you've just been feeling a bit flat and life's been a bit hard and you've lost your way a little bit. We want to pray with you. We want to help you to get back on that track. So mighty God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you've got something new and fresh for us every single day. And God, I pray today that we would all take a, take a step in our faith journey, that we would all take a step towards hearing you afresh again, Lord God. Holy Spirit, that you would guide us, lead us, show us all the actions that you would like us to do in your strength, Lord. Show us the way. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.